Hey everybody, before we get going with today's interview, just a quick introduction. This was a bit of an experiment for me. I've never done this before. We had Pasha Patriki DP with us for this interview, so I figured, hey, why not? Why don't I set up some cameras, or one camera? Uh, and we had a lot of fun with that. So part of this video, uh, or part of this audio, isn't going to play for quote-unquote audio, but you can check out a five-minute segment of that stuff on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com forward slash Jesse Eichmann, youtube.com forward slash Jesse Eichmann, and you will be able to check out some of the cool visuals that you aren't able to pick up when you're listening to this. One other quick thing, I was using an H4n Zoom that unfortunately was on phantom power. That kind of screwed some stuff up and some of my audio got corrupted. Luckily, I had an H2n Zoom uh, recording as a backup for the entire thing. So we were fine, except for the fact you are going to hear it around the 30 minute mark a little bit of background noise because it picks up so much ambient uh, audio that my business partner, Jeff Glickman, who makes a, uh, I guess, a cameo in this podcast, he's up in his office and he's and the door was open, so we caught some of that in the way background. I couldn't really filter out as much as I wanted to, but anyways, it's there. I apologize for that. Anyways, this was a fun, fun interview, a lot of great stuff. I'm just going to dive right in now. Enjoy this, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Here we go. Take two. Okay. <laughs> Some battery oh, issue. Yeah. There's a whole new setup. Okay. There's a whole new setup for me. Starting over. I had the... I have the... Hey! What <laughs> is here? This is fantastic. <laughs> you guys are lit. <laughs> you know, so in, in right. walks Glickman just as we start the podcast. And uh, what's amazing is that, of course, we've got our DP in the house. Glickman, you want to come in and say Hi. Hi. <laughs> Look at that face. No, but, you got, but get down because I want to show people the hat. Wait, we're shooting right now? It's, it's shooting right now. What's it, live? It's, well, I don't, live I'm not today. live. I'm not live there, but show people that. Give Hi. people your best furrier hat pitch. This is a genuine shearling. Um, it's Russian. It's, it's, it was made in Russia. It is imported. That doesn't. That's not fancy. It just means it's it's well done by people who know what they're doing and it's cheap. And when it comes to real fur, uh, Russian Russian made are good. Also Turkish. You can get some Turkish. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, Jeff kind of flatly, though, right? No, dude, he did some shit to this camera. I don't even know what the hell he did. He just, he made shit look good. What did you do? What did you do? I didn't do anything. I'm telling you, he did stuff. This, it's, this camera's never looked so good. you got to go behind the camera this and see. This camera's never looked so This camera's never looked so good. The camera really looks fantastic. Being lit like that. You know what the funny thing is? We're supposed to do this podcast here. The people who are listening to this have no idea what the hell's going on. But if you want to see what's going on, you can go to YouTube. It's going to be crafttruck.com forward slash BOF76. Because you're the 76th right. person on the show. Wow. And, you know, I haven't even introduced you yet. You've just been sitting here. Well, Jeff's been doing his, you know, like the the intro to the hat to hat salesman. Yeah, okay, straight. let's let's get going with the show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Craft Truck. My name's Jesse Eichmann. This is episode number seventy six. I'm here with uh, DP Pasha Patriki. Uh, his latest film, Gridlock, I believe, is now on Netflix globally. Uh, he is also the owner of Red Square Motion, which is a film post-production house specializing in CGI. He is a filmmaker, um, I guess, above all. Um, Pasha, how do you describe yourself? T- tell me, like, you wear so many hats, no pun intended. <laughs> tell me, how do, you th- how do you think of yourself in, in the business? Um, well, there, there's a term, actually, uh, I came up with as a film ninja. 
is essentially you know a, a multi-skilled person and 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 by no means i'm attaching it only to myself actually there's there's a black book of film ninjas in this town um which one day i'd love to get them all on the same team and kind of uh in, create a project based on everyone's sort of like multi-skill involvement right um but uh, my main thing in my career is obviously the cinematography. That's you know what I've um, for seventeen years now have been putting bread on the table for my family. Right. Uh, yep. The the red square motion, the post production is a more recent thing. It's only been going on for about five years, uh, but it's made itself a bit of a name in the industry. It's a boutique small house. We cater to indie filmmakers. Uh, and uh, the film production side of it is the most recent thing. Uh, only been going on for a year and a half. In in that period, I've produced a TV movie that we just delivered to our distributor. Uh, What's that called? Taken too far. Taken too far. I thought yeah. you. Were, I thought you were going to say taken two. Then I was like, how can we taken two? Oh, it was taken too far. Okay, fine. All right. Cool. Taken too far. All right. Nice. Um, uh, it previously had a name of Deadly Dance Mom, but we had an issue with uh, using the, the the word Dance, Dance Mom. Mom. Yeah, yeah. To the TV um, show. Yes, because yeah. of the TV show, and uh, so we had to change the name to Taken Too Far. Very nice. Um, Coming out to a screen near you at some point in 2017, I guess. Great. Well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll promote that when it's out. Now, because this is the the business of film, mm-hmm. um, and you went to AFM for the first time this year as a filmmaker, right. what was your first impression walking into the Lowe's at Santa Monica? Uh, it's a crazy environment. The fact that they take a hotel and uh, completely empty it from mattresses and and. Uh, all the regular furniture and turn it into this flea market of anything that has to do with uh, selling, buying, or promoting a film mm-hmm. uh, is is mind blowing to me. But it's been going on for a lot of years, so I guess it's not news to to many people. But it was quite impressive to see it for the first time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you arrived on I think like you you arrived on a Thursday, right? And they they generally tell people to come on the the Sunday through Tuesday. Yeah. But like so, what 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 was your motivation to to show up on like the first day of the market? Um, I wanted to see. I wanted to be. Yes, they do promote on their site that if you're a producer and you're looking to pitch a project to a film distributor or a sales agent, that you should come for the second half. And there's even passes that you know are almost half the cost of the full pass that are specifically tailored for producers. I didn't want to be sort of. Uh, constrained by the pressure and only having a few days uh plus uh it, it happens to happen around my birthday my wife was there with me so we thought you know what we'll take the whole week we'll go there uh when i'm not going to be pressured to spend the entire day at the afm i'll go see what it's like yeah and, and we can also have some time together get away from the kids for you know a few days um uh, i think it was a good decision even though it cost me a few extra hundred dollars to to have a pass for that i want to go into this for a second but first a battery change because (laughs) i i can see what i'm doing i bought these apparently these crap batteries lesson note to self never buy shit batteries did you find that it was productive for you to be there like what did you learn going in there what was what was your goal going in there um i didn't have a set goal i did have a few projects on my slate that are you know officially in development with my company, uh, and I was armed 
with pitches for these projects in case the chance came up. But I didn't necessarily come in there desperate to just pitch it to somebody because I was very sort of real about you know how many people are trying to pitch something there and uh, how very little success there usually is with that. It's just from what I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to go in and just introduce myself to people, tell them about what I've done, tell them about what I'm doing, and literally feel out the market and what's going on and sort of who is looking for what and uh, what kind of content could I pitch the next time I get to talk to these people if they want to talk to me again. Right. So that that's kind of was my motto going in there. Did you have any specific companies or people that you had on your list? Did you actually do some research going in saying, I wanted to meet with these companies? Yes. Okay. Yes. I had a list of uh, companies that uh, I've researched and other people helped me research. And I've, I've actually came to for help to a few people that I knew that might give me some sort of feedback on mm-hmm. which companies are um, kind of fitting the, the profile that I need to be approaching right. at the moment. So you, um, so you were doing research matching sales companies that had done, I guess, projects similar to the kind of stuff that you were... Correct. Okay, wanting to yeah. produce and you went and met with those those, those companies. Yes, yes, exactly. The, the AFM site actually has a very good sort of informational page about that and they had a podcast about how to research the companies and, and, and what. And I didn't necessarily follow it because I listened to that podcast, but kind of event ultimately realized that this is really the way to do it because there is, you know, hundreds of companies there and, right. and you do have to research and uh, sometimes find some sort of a connection. Uh, me being the DP, I quickly realized that a lot of these companies re- uh, represent some of the films that are shot. So that was at least something that <clears throat> that I could say, hey, you know, I was part of the project. I was I was the DP on so-and-so film. And, right. and in some cases, it meant absolutely nothing to them. And in some cases, even when the film was actually doing good and it's sort of like in, in their ears, they were like, oh, okay, hey, okay, well, it's so great to meet someone with the crew. And uh, it, it's not common that DPs or anyone other than producers really go to these events. But you weren't presenting yourself as a DP, to be fair. No. You were just using that as a way in to just sort of make just, a warm connection with the sales Just an company. icebreaker. Right. Yeah, Literally yeah. an icebreaker. And uh, Now, were the sales companies that you were talking to, did you find that, I mean, how many sales companies did you meet with when you were there? Um, probably a couple of dozen. Oh, okay. And were they receptive to meeting with somebody who they hadn't met before? What was your approach when you met them? Did they were like, yes, no problem, we'll set a meeting? Or was it difficult to, to get the meetings you wanted? Um a little bit of everything, okay. I have to say. There, 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 there was maybe only a couple of cases where it was the, the classic book, sort of you know textbook case of the receptionist uh, smiling to me in the nicest way, but essentially right. telling me to go and fuck myself. Right. Right? Um, but uh, I, I have to say that the majority of the company... Can, can I say the word? Yeah. Words like that? Okay. Uh, I have a little E on, 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 on this podcast right. for, you know, explicit... Oh, great. Yeah, so you can say whatever oh. you want. Oh, well, can we start over? Then? No, we can't, sir. We've already done that once. <laughs> okay. Well, so I have to say in majority of the cases, the the, the agents are like receptive to, to it. And especially if you um, uh, contact them ahead of time, a few weeks in advance. Right. Uh, I could almost see the, the, the kind of the connection of the, the agents whom I've um, 
contacted only within the week before the event started. I got no response from them at all. But the ones that I've contacted earlier, the lead they, time was was what's helpful for you. Yeah. And, and what was your what what was your phone pitch to them when you were on the phone with them, talking with them? What allowed them to think of you as you know a real guy worthy of taking a meeting? Did you have a, a like a, a um, special sort of thing that you had? Well, the it was mostly actually done through email. Okay. I didn't get to talk to, to anyone on the phone ahead of time. Right. Uh, it was emails and actually a, a, the producer of one of the projects that we're kind of co-developing together, Jennifer Mancini, she did a lot of legwork uh, for me and, and sending out. And, and, and I guess she has a charisma that some sort of thing. Like we'll literally email the same agents sometimes and they would reply to her and would not reply to me. Right. So... <laughs> that's where the mystery part comes into me. <laughs> like, okay. How does that work? Um, but but she contacted contacted them a little bit earlier in the game, right? Uh, and she did mention something about the film that that is her script, right? And and so it wasn't just sort of like an empty introduction. Hey, we want to we want to talk. Um, so 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 yes, there was like a particular project. Um, when I actually met with them, I quickly realized most of them had essentially did not even look at it and didn't really matter. Yeah, no, they wouldn't spend the time looking at anything they, that you had. But like, so realizing that, that you had set up this meeting, maybe sent them some material or some yeah. information about the project, you're sitting down with them. Of course, they didn't look at it. I mean, that's kind of yeah. what you would almost expect, to be honest. They didn't, no. Right. In a couple of cases, they did. Oh, okay. In a couple yeah. of cases, they the, the moment I started talking about it, they they... they uh, they were like, oh yeah, yeah, that was in the email, and, and you know, at least they read the email, and, and right. kind of. Pa- I don't know if they actually looked at the pitch package, but. And you know. I mean, did you? When, so, so when you were sitting there in the room, what was what was the goal of the meeting? Did you have like a specific sort of you know what what did you want to achieve out of getting FaceTime with the sales company? My goal was to talk to them again, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I think they in in most cases they had. A 15-minute slot scheduled for me and if I went if I spent more than 15 minutes in there that means that they're actually interested in hearing what I have to say oh interesting okay and, yeah and, and what I was telling them about is essentially my company and what I'm developing and how I want to approach developing it how I want to sell it and how I want to have a sales agent come on board as sort of like a partner in developing it together. Right. So that's sort of, I was just talking business and not necessarily any one particular project. Right, so it's business focus, <clears throat> not necessarily creative focus in that yeah. respect. Yeah, yeah. Did you find then, because I, I, I want to move on to some other stuff as well, but yeah. just, just to sort of round out the whole AFM experience, when left the AFM, mm-hmm. what did you leave with? What was the biggest takeaway that you had from your experience there? The takeaway is, you know, no matter how much research you do, it, it's all about personal connections and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, you, you just have to go out there and, and do it. You know, sitting at home and kind of complaining, saying uh, nobody wants to look at my project. And, you know, I hear this a lot with, with from the writers that, that I meet with. Uh, and, and I'm not referencing anyone in particular. No, go ahead, <laughs> reference some people. But, but no, uh, <laughs> well, no, 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 I, I happen to have a list in my back pocket. Fantastic. Uh, no. <laughs> um, no, it's it's you know it's it, it it can cost you know a few dollars to to go out there and do these things. But if this is what you want to do, you essentially have to do it. You're you're you have to kind of put your own effort into it and. 
you, you know, you have to you have to stick it out, and do it. Something might not, nothing might come out of it, or mm-hmm. something might come out of it. Right. You you can never sort of predict that. There's no research that'll help you sort of estimate what's going to happen. Right. There, there, um, I mean, there, there never is like a, yeah. a. There's not. There's no. There's no straight path with this kind of thing. It's yeah. just networking, relationship, and you know, going out there and pounding the pavement and meeting. Meeting people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're also in a unique environment with the Canadian film industry where it's it's quite different on a business level from what they have in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, our, I think our approach should be different uh, we, we, because, it, you know, simply because we're not U.S., we're, we're not trying to compete with uh, Los Angeles. Like, there's so many things that are just different on technical and business level and creative level as well. The audience is different. You know, the market is different. The investors here are different. We, we can't necessarily apply the same sort of rules to uh, attracting the investors to the projects here as you would if you were, you know, in California. So um, it's it's unique to us, and uh, you just yeah, you just have to you know hustle and and apply all that and try to understand it, and you know that and. If I may add, there's I can't think of a business school here that you know teaches all this. Well, don't get me started on so, film schools. I have a I yeah. have a whole rant on the value of of, <laughs> of, of film schools. Um, but I I mean I do think if I'm going to put my rant here on film schools, I think do film it. schools are very 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 expensive, not necessarily worth the price of admission. But the only reason to go to a film school really is in the value of the networking. And to me, that's kind of it. Yeah. But, you know, the networking you can have just by doing also what you're doing, which is just going out there and meeting people and, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. That's right. You got you kissing babies? Um, I got to kiss a couple of babies. Well, that's pretty good. That's Solid day then. Yeah. Solid day. So, okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about independent filmmaking because I know that you're, you're a big proponent of independent filmmakers. On your Facebook page, you're always throwing up advice uh, uh, from you know other sources that you're collecting around around the net. You're you're you really push independent film. What is your perception of independent film right now? Um, well, I think it's it's definitely on the rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's no it's no secret now that there, there's sort of a division going on between uh, independent and the studio filmmaking. Not that studio filmmaking has any relevance to us here in Canada, uh, but uh, you know, there's the to me now there's like the studio filmmaking, which is its own thing. The blockbusters, the you know, mostly films with very high concepts, uh, high budgets that go theatrical and actually make money in theaters. Right. And then there's the independent world, which has gained a lot of uh, audience, and and you, you know, you you go to iTunes and I, I always sort of watch new movies on, on iTunes rather than theaters or, or anywhere else. Um, it's, it's, you know, you see the, the, the logos of the companies that come in front of, in front of the movies. There's like new logos all the time, right? All these people you haven't heard of before, or the ones that are now already established, but still sort of in, independent. Right. Well, and that presents more opportunity, I think, for filmmakers too. Seeing all those new logos means there's new entrance into the into the business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's a more open market now, now more than ever, and, and actually an opportunity to create something that is quality content. That's not you know your B movie that 
is is just out there you know trying to sort of like make a little bit of money um you know when i was growing up all i remember seeing is like 20th century fox and warner brothers or maybe that was the kind of movies i was exposed to you know i could be wrong but there's all kinds of different brands i'm seeing out there and Mm -hmm. they're all independent brands to different degree right right? i mean there's an argument also that you know a big independent uh studio a big independent company is like almost like a studio anyway but you know, point is the market is open. It's in our hands. Like we can feasibly go out there, make a movie, uh, and sell it. And at that point, well, why why can't you make a movie that's actually great? Okay, right? I want to dig into this with you because like this, there's a whole quality budget star thing. You know, as independent filmmaker, let's let's mm-hmm. peel away those layers. So, independent filmmaker, this whole budget versus talent versus, you know, quality and whatever that sort of means. Where do you kind of sit in that? Like, how do you think about these pieces when you're trying to put your projects together? Um, well, there's there's what I want to think and mm. where I want to put it. I mean, I've only done one film so far, and by no means I think of it as, like, a great quality project. It had a certain market, a TV movie. So it had to sort of be modeled to the to what the expectations of that TV market um, were, right? So you know, I can't say that I'm speaking from experience. It's more like I am kind of telling you my ideas about it. So I just want to be humble about it. No, no, no. But I, 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 I it's it's fine to be to be humble. But I think there are hundreds of people out there, certainly people who are listening to this podcast, who are either in your position right now, having yeah. made like their first feature film or made feature films before, or haven't made one at all, and they're wondering what to do next. So like, I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly outside of the realm of possibility to say, hey, you're a guy who's hustling, you've had a lot of experience in one field, you're making a transition to another field or kind of building that as part of your arsenal. There are lots of people out there right now, hundreds of thousands of filmmakers probably around the world, yeah. you know, who, who are, in your, who are in, in your very shoes. So I think... You know, like, I don't want to say you speak for those people, but I certainly would say that you are one of those people. So your, you know, your impression of it, whatever it is, is as valid as anybody else's. Sure, um, sure. Well, I guess using myself as a, as a, as a sort of a, a, a case study, mm-hmm. um, I would say that you need to see what your, where your strengths are and strengths of the people that are on your team with you and obviously you need to have people on your team and you usually where your strengths are is the the field that ends up sort of being the most low cost kind of aspect of the production to you so that is okay that is really 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 insightful like that uh-huh. self-awareness quotient um and it's so funny that you say that because you know, we're just kind of going through the same experience right now. Or right now, the least, you know, uh, a project that we're doing, like just, again, speaking from my own personal experience, the least qualified part of our arsenal right now is is editing. So that's been the hardest part of doing it. But if you're a great editor, yeah, or if you're a great DP, in your case, uh, or you've got like the CGI component, which is, you, like you, you know that your strengths are DP, yeah, uh, you know, post-production, so you can yeah. do something that's more... I guess intense and, and yeah. you know and doesn't cost a lot of money. Yep. 
right? Yeah, so, so, I'm sorry, so that's, so you, a, that's you, a great point. Yeah, you just essentially spelled out what my next project is. Okay, it, it's something that's heavily cinematography based. It's, it's all designed around sort of creating this shot that looks like a, a one continuous take. Yeah, uh, and the set is a combination of practical and visual effects, which is you know I'm going to have uh, my company do those, it, 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 and nothing you know intense like building creatures, but essentially. Uh, some green screen, um, a combination of green screen and practical set. Right. Right. And that, and that is, that's what I came up with. I don't even have the script yet, but I know what sort of. But the, those, are the, the, those are the pieces that you're bringing to the puzzle. Those are the pieces puzzle. that I have, yep. and this is the movie that I'm going to make. And, uh, you know, now I have to kind of you know, go out there and find uh, a script that will work with that and uh, attach a name to the to the project that will sell and this is why I wanted to bring a company from the AFM on board on this right to tell me you know what that name should be and if I am yep. getting uh, you know a B or C actor what are the X Y and Z projections that they're willing to give me and, and potentially even give me some pre-sales on that so that's that's the model I'm following I'm not saying that's a universal model but for example, if your strength isn't sales rather than you know a technical aspect of the film, maybe you don't have to be so concerned about the the, the story working for, with certain you know constraints. If you know that you can go out there and sell the film, you know, and you just know what type of a film you're going to be best at selling, then you approach it from that direction. Right. Right. If you are you know, there's examples of actors uh, participating in films on a producer level, right? So they trust their ability as the actor and they finance the film. And, you know, that's, I, I think that's kind of the model. Right. Um, again, I, I don't know if that necessarily applies universally to U.S. and, you know, other countries because there's always a little bit of different approach in financing. But at least for us in Canada here, mm-hmm. I think I think that applies, right? And And the more people on your team you have that can kind of help you create really solid result in one department or another whether it's production design cinematography or you have a killer director who you're working with or or you are the director who can attract those other pieces of puzzle that's i think how you have to um kind of engineer this Mm -hmm. um i think the one of the biggest mistakes the filmmakers do is come up with a story first. Well, that's and, interesting. And, and and then they get attached to the story to the point that they believe that this is the best thing ever. But then, then they have no feasible way of actually executing it. Correct. Right. Right. And they end up making it anyway. Right. So what you're saying is but, build but, it. But, it's, but yeah. it's lower in quality than it could have been because they just want to make it. Right. So they're, they've got a vision for something that's bigger than what they can actually execute for where they are in their career. Whereas what you're saying is build a box based on your strengths and play inside that box. Correct. Yeah. That box can grow yeah. as you grow. Right. Right. I'm I'm not saying you should limit yourself, right? But looking at just statistically, there's lots of great stories out there, but so many examples where I see a great story is just not executed well. Right. Right. And the, the film doesn't go anywhere. So execute something with a story that it that works for that budget and you know, do your best with it and, and get your name out there with that 
I want to talk about the the CGI side of it and building a business inside the film All right. business. Yeah. What's that been like? I mean, you're you're trying to build a post production company. That can't be easy. Um. You know, it sort of happened on its own. The the, the story of uh, of the company is that uh, when the 4K red cameras came out, I as the DP bought one and quickly faced the fact that none of the productions that I shot could afford proper raw post in 4K. Right. N- and not even like the, the resolution 4K that I was concerned about, but the fact that nobody could actually process the raw file format. Um, so my, my mother actually is a colorist, so I've asked her if she would, if I was to build a color grading suite, would she, you know, in the off time from her main job back then at Deluxe, which she... She was very, I don't want to say famous colorist too, but she was a very high, well-respected colorist in the industry. Yeah, right? yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, so, so she agreed, and I kind of went on a journey to... I had no knowledge of computers of any kind, so I had to essentially learn how to build a computer. It was a PC-based machine. and Unreal. I, I assembled the, uh, uh, a first color correction suite. Um, I was lucky that this is when Blackmagic bought uh, Da Vinci uh, brand, and then they sort of released their first Resolve version that was, you know, you know, thousand dollars versus a quarter of a million dollars. Right. Um, actually, when we started, that, that didn't even happen. We were working with um, um, a Final Cut Color. Uh, that was a program like that, um, an interesting program. So it was in my basement. You know, it, was, it was just me kind of doing the business side of things and, and my mom doing the color. And uh, it, within six months, the word got out so quickly that we were coloring other people's films. And even right, so it was a high demand. Yeah. You were actually entering an industry, I guess, at like that, that critical time when people were starting a new technology, In needed a, way, a company yeah. that could deal with that. You fit. The, so you were in the right place at the right time with the right technology. I guess so. You yeah. Could, yeah, you could say that. Well, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we quickly realized that it it can't exist in the basement anymore because now we have the commercial clients coming in and right. sitting there, and it was just not cool. <laughs> so, actually, I, I got sort of a, a couple of partners attached to it, uh, and we sort of uh, you know went out there and turned it into an office. Fast forward uh, with now four and some years, it's a company with employees, and you know I I basically just do kind of business development side of things. I don't manage the projects of day-to-day operations anymore. But, uh, you know, it's a it's a cool little boutique place, and we have this whole thing about family environment and approach to work, and, you know, there's no sort of set hours for anybody. Um, it, was, it was this thing that just happened on its own. It was fun to learn, you know, how to run a company. I had to, like, read a bunch of blogs and, about it and <laughs> watch the sort of uh, documentaries and how Apple and Google do that and how they, you know. Um, but in all fairness, you've, you've built a company. Now. I, I know you're humble about it, but, like, we, you know, we've done work with you. I know a lot of my colleagues in the business here in Toronto have done work with you. You're a well-established guy now for the independent film market when it comes to Color and CGI and that kind of stuff and and you know it's 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 just it's tough out there. I mean, and the fact that you're again hustling, doing it, you're building a business. Uh, that's that's really commendable stuff. I mean, what's 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 been the biggest challenge in in you know dealing with uh, I guess the post production or the the growth in CGI sort of from a you know biz dev perspective. 
Um, well, personally, to me, the challenge is that, you know, I have people on salary and if, if I don't bring in projects, you know, I'm responsible for those people's, you know, well-being. Right. That, that will, at the sort of the, the model of the small business, you know, it's always you per, you're you personally involved. You know, we're, we're not sort of like a, a share trading company, you know, not our public company. It, it's still essentially me uh, being responsible for everything. So that that's the most challenging thing for me. As far as on the work front, um, I mean, it's obviously challenging to compete with, uh, you, you know, the bigger established post-production houses. And, right. and that's where I had to um, sort of, understand what what our market and what our niche is and it kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about the films you know you know you need to understand who you're selling your product to right who is your client right so when uh, a writer slash producer comes to me with a script and they say look this is going to be like the the darling of all festivals in the world, and it's just going to be explode and become viral. This is how good my movie is. Yeah, right? I, mean, I always say, to, look, yeah. you, you just need to be a little bit more real, right? Right, and you cannot create a business plan based on the fact that your movie is going to go viral and, and explode. Right, it's right. not going to happen unless someone actually puts marketing dollars into it. You just need to. Be grounded about the, the the story and the project that you're doing, and make it as good as you can. Right. And if it comes out that good that you thought it that it may be, that should be like a bonus. Right. Right. So it's do the work. You, put your head down. And do the work. Structure it. Work so within that you, your box so you don't yeah. lose money. Right. You, you you don't bet on. You know, it's like playing roulette. You know, you you can't bet on bet winning the on a single right number. Right. You play the game smart, but but always sort of also put a chip on a single number. And if that number comes out, you know, you you, you win big, right? And and that can happen with film. And, and same... Well, that's the rule with distributors. I mean, distributors basically build their business on sort of this diversified portfolio of films. Yeah. But, it, you know, the whole thing is they need one hit. That's And right. the one hit pays for everything else. But as a filmmaker, you kind of need a lot of singles. And, you yeah. know, if something gets a double or triple, then... You know, that's, that's right. bonus. If you get a that's home right. run, well, then you know you're over the moon. But the only thing is, with distributors, you know, they they they're not necessarily attached to each and one of every projects on their slate, right? The, the way that you are attached as a producer, so that that's the said part of it, right? Like they they just collect a lot of stuff and see what sticks, right? Right? Um, you know, maybe not in all cases, but this is the impression that I've got about a lot of companies that. That I've talked to, right? You know, there's a lot. They're not. Of they're not really personally invested in your film. They're they're kind of you know equally invested in maybe all films and maybe some more than others. In most cases, yeah, not. yeah. Uh, and and there's exceptions out there, and there's companies that you know I'm talking to those companies again right. because I saw interest in them. Right. Uh, I saw their eyes light up when I was talking about how I want to approach this right. business, and 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 yes, it it sort of goes both ways. They wanted to talk to me. Again, and we're meeting in Toronto. And yep. Coincidentally, those companies turned out to be a local Canadian company. So I had to go all the way to LA to meet with those guys. But but sometimes um, that's the way it's, that's the way it works. You gotta yeah. you gotta be at the conference. You gotta be at the trade show. You gotta be at the market. You gotta yeah. be at the film festival to meet the guy next door who's gonna take you seriously. Just because you spent the effort and the time and the money to get off your ass, go to the market, and actually be out there and put yourself out there. Yeah. So you know that's that's good. Pasha Patriki. 
thank you for being here. This has been a lot of fun. I, you know, batteries aside, um, I really enjoy this. I love the fact that you can, I want to just, can I, I want to just yeah, do okay. this. Stay yeah, here all right, all for right. a second. I want to yeah. just grab this thing here. We're going to take, I'm going to take this and I want to show the folks what you did to my office here because I mean, again, hold on, I'm going to do, I'm going to cut this little part out. It's coming out, it's coming out, it's coming out. Here we go. Oh, yes. Look at this. Look at this. Pasha, hi. hi. Now, look at this. Throws up the keynote, throws up the blankets. I'm going to come around you here. Uses a, uses a, what, what an it's ironing an board. ironing board. This is independent filmmaking right here. Look at that. Throws up the sound blankets there. Everything, dude. Here, I'm, I'm shooting you now from what, the offside. How do you look from over here? How do you look from this side? It's, I've got this stupid thing here like this. You actually, you don't look bad from this side. This is actually pretty good. What's it's a good the, light. You, this, you know, what's the better side your... to shoot on, by the way? You're shooting the interview. What's the better side to shoot on? My side or, or Well, yours? you got the light there. Light's there. Yeah. You're there. Should I be having the camera here to the right of you or should I have the camera to the left of you? That depends on what kind of look you want to create. If it's like flat, all lit look, which is what we went for, and you want to have something a little more contrasty, which is probably what I look like right now. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have a little more, you know. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Okay, hold on. Let's throw this here. We do the flat contrast. This flat contrasty look. Pasha, right. here we go. Dude, thank you. Real pleasure doing it. Th thanks yeah. for having me. This no, dude, fun. this has been great. Any last, uh, any last words you want to say something to the folks? I don't know if uh, you, you know. I felt we, I didn't really say anything wise or, or smart, but you know, if, oh, the, you, you, if there's one little thing yeah. that somebody gets out of it, uh, you know. Uh, but you know what? It's yeah. all these things. You, every time I do one of these, there's always one thing. I don't know what that that piece is. I mean, for you in this interview, I'll tell you what it is because I know what it is. It's 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 the, it's the box analogy. Work with, find your box, work within your box. The box can grow. That's great shit, man. You can't. All right. Yeah, you, you know, I could put that. I, I could put that in a book. You could write a book about that. Right on. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, you want to write a book? You, uh, write, a book? you write a book. No, I'm not going to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Uh, if you enjoyed this and you're watching this on YouTube, there's going to be a link down below. Uh, Crafttruck.com forward slash BOF76 if you're listening to this and uh, thank you thank you everybody uh, Pasha thank you honor thank you oh man honor's been mine it's been great